from the studios of Teeing It Up in the swamps of Jersey, uh, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Masters Week, April 5th, 2021. Uh, as we begin this March down Magnolia Lane. Um, and I think I said March, I meant April 5th, uh, 2021, Masters Week, here on Teeing It Up. And we started, as always, with uh, Ryan Ballinger from Golf News Net. Hello, Ryan. Uh, happy Masters yeah. Week. Yeah, same to you. It's very exciting to uh, be back in April. Yes, indeed. Felt very odd last year. Um, well, yesterday was the day uh, that us golf fans have waited 1,351 days for, and that was Jordan Spieth getting a victory done. And um, look, I give him credit. I give Michael Greller credit. I give uh, his wife Annie credit. I give Cam credit. Uh, Butch Harmon credit. There's a lot of people to give credit within Jordan Spieth's circle. But Jordan had to dig this out of the dirt himself. And I think the most impressive thing was that he did not drive it on a string over the weekend, but he pieced it together. And lo and behold, he made the clutch putts. He got the up and downs that he needed. Look at number 11 yesterday, for example. And his wedge game came back. And Ryan, you and I have played this game a long time. Sometimes, obviously, working on one part of your game can hurt another part of your game. But sometimes, especially for winners, you get those breaks where suddenly another part of your game that you hadn't really been focusing enough time on suddenly shows up in big moments. And Jordan was able to piece it together, being fourth and scrambling over uh, uh, last week at the Valero. I think the big difference between the Jordan speed that has struggled in for most of the last three and a half years and the one that we've seen the last 60, 90 days, let's say 60 days really, that, um, that is more reminiscent of speed in 15, 16 and parts of 17, or really 15, 17, parts of 16, um, is he's just playing his brand of golf with confidence. I, I feel like he got away from that. I feel like he went chasing distance, went chasing driving accuracy, went chasing other stuff that, in an effort to get better. He was trying to become a better golfer, a better technical player. I understand that. And I would have recommended that back then because I think he's got a lot of technical flaws. But chasing that made him a worse golfer. It made him a worse scorer. made him a worse player. And... The second I think he realized the way that he got to being the best in the world and winning three majors at a borderline unprecedented cliff was just playing his brand of golf and letting the chips fall. He's doing that again. That, that's what this whole week was at TBC San Antonio, was just speed golf. Of If he's neutral off the tee and strokes gained, it's a good day. He gained strokes. On the approach, he gains strokes putting, he scrambles well, and if all of that other stuff works, the lackluster driving, weird decision-making and stuff like that, it all kind of works itself out. And he's bought, I think he's bought back into who he is, and this is the culmination of that. And, and hopefully for him, uh, this isn't the, the, just the, the destination. This is a longer part of the journey back to who he is. And I think, you know, he said it last night in his presser. Uh, he knows it's not perfect. And he, um, he, um, he knows he's not perfect. 
um, and, 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 and the game's not perfect, and that excites him. That excites him to go to the tournament practice uh, facility um, you know, early this week to get his game sharp. Um, that, that, I think, is what's fascinating, is he's still on this quest, but I think he's now going in the right direction and, and, and has a win to prove it. Um, it's been an interesting last 60 days, as you said, holding 354 whole leads, Pebble, um, uh, uh, Phoenix Pebble, and um, Valero. And I asked Jim Nance on the CBS Masters Preview Conference call last uh, Wednesday, I asked him, uh, do you think that golf's ratings are up because of him and Bryson, or, or do you think there's something else at play? And Nance made an interesting point, which is, that a golf recreationally is booming, and obviously that may make people want to tune in. But number two, with Tiger now completely out of the picture, these guys um, and these uh, you know people at home, viewers at home, fans, whoever, are getting to know this next level down of guys from DJ to Brooks to Bryson to uh, JT to Jordan to Ricky to Rory. They're really getting invested in these guys because that's who they're seeing week in and week out, and the ratings are showing the support of it instead of it being Tiger Phil and then everybody else. Um, and I think as a result, A, you saw the way that that golf Twitter just went crazy after the 61 in Phoenix for Speed, but B, he's now the number two betting favorite for this week at 10 to 1. Um, which to me is a little absurd. A, trying to win back-to-back anywhere, whether you're trying to win on the PGA Tour and then your club championship or trying to win on the PGA Tour and then the Masters, either of those are really hard. Um, But I think it just shows the cachet or the sexiness or whatever you want to call it for a Jordan Spieth victory. Yeah, I I think Spieth is one of the um, maybe three or four guys in this current crop of players that has public interest that because he won young uh, I think that I think in golf winning young on a big stage is a long way to keeping people interested in you for a long time you're not just some flash in the pan you're not some late bloomer when you win young in golf there's an expectation that you're going to keep on winning for 20 years and yeah Spieth went three and a half years without a win but I think a lot of people just assumed, okay, he's going through a dark path, he'll, he'll figure it out, be fine. And when he is, they'll, they'll come back and, and be happy to root for him. I think that's what, what we saw with the, the Blair Texas Open win. And I've seen him now the betting favorite uh, in different places. I mm. keep, uh, let's say Rick Gaiman from um, CBS Sports and his own, his own work. Uh, he lives in Vegas. I think he said at Circa, speaks the favorite. At ten to one, or maybe even plus eight fifty, uh, that's that's bonkers. I mean, there's a lot of public money, smaller tickets probably that are interested in speed just because people like speed. But like you said, there there have been two players in the history of the Masters tournament to have won the week prior, and then the Masters, and uh, that's two out of what uh, almost eighty. So, you know, not a good batting percentage for speed uh, if history portends what's about to happen, but people love a comeback story. He's obviously kind of culminated that comeback a little bit with, with the PGA Tour win, but I'm sure he would love 
to have a second green jacket and a fourth major come Sunday. Um, so when we look at uh, and, 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 and excuse me, we're talking to Ryan Ballinger here on Teeing It Up. Um, it, I, I'm with you that it's very hard uh, for him to win. I also believe that Brooks Kepka is not going to win. Um, and I'm just trying to get through a couple of these stories up top because I'm, I'm seeing, A, the, the betting stuff's absurd. B, this love of Brooks Kepka right now is absurd. Okay, he's having fun on Twitter. That's fine. The bottom line is the dude has been playing nine holes at Riviera. Um, n- you know, nothing personal, but I asked Jeff Shackelford this morning on on, on Twitter um, with uh, Daniel Rappaport, who hasn't responded yet, but obviously Shaq is first and foremost out there for those who live uh, in the Los Angeles area for LA golf. And he's like, Riviera is a sneaky walk because of the grass and because of 18, but it ain't anything like Augusta National. And I don't get why people are suddenly all in on Brooks. I guess it's the swagger, Ryan, but on, on paper, this makes no sense to me why somebody with a already just finally recovered correctly left knee and ankle and hip now has a right knee uh, injury that sounds fairly serious, and they think that he can win this soon after. Um, I know that this may just be the the silo that is, you know, golf Twitter. Uh, He is 28 to 1 in this um, pool that I'm seeing here. Uh, uh, sorry, these uh, the uh, uh, bets that I'm seeing here, but it, it just seems crazy to me that Bruce Kepka can win this week. Yeah, that seems misplaced. Anyone thinking he's all of a sudden going to show up and having not played since before the play, or, you know, since the players a little before that, and coming off a knee surgery where the proper recovery time for a knee surgery unless it's arthroscopic is months so we're going to just gloss over all that and say okay well he's gutting it out so he's going to win no I I can't I'm not going to tell Brooks Koepka he can't do something because maybe he can but I I don't understand all of a sudden going okay well he's figuring out he's going to gut it out and go try and do this Therefore, ipso facto, you should love him to win the golf tournament. I, I can't make that leap of logic. I mean, I, I I loved his game going into the knee problem and the surgery, but it, it's really hard to bet. I mean, I can't make that kind of financial investment uh, if I'm betting. That just seems like betting on a, a bad stock. Like, you know you're going to feel the pain, so why are you going to expose yourself to that in the first place? Um. We have seen a firmer golf course. Uh, the second cut is back to being the second cut instead of the rough that it was last year. We are seeing uh, from the images uh, from the Augusta National Women's Amateur, from drive, chip, and putt, and how slow that first putt was up 18 and how fast that putt got away even early in the morning for kids ranging from 7 to 16 years old. Um, and from what players have said, that this is more the Augusta National that we are used to. Now, the the T word has come back, thunderstorms, which can obviously change things, but they have sub-air for that. 
Um, top line here, when you look at what we're about to face, we know the 13 hasn't changed. There's not been enough time uh, to, to change 13. Any other change uh, has not been mentioned that I've seen. I'm not sure if you've seen anything, uh, Ryan, but I've not seen anything. Uh, or, or actually, somebody talked about some trees missing. Bubba, I think, may have talked about some trees missing down uh, down 11, but that's really the only change that I've seen, and that could be weather-related for all we know. Um, so for me, I, I don't I, I think that this is going to be a very normal Masters, and that thus brings into play, obviously, the fact that it's a second, uh, second shot golf course, and obviously the fact that you have to understand these greens, and if you're a first-timer, understand them fast. Yeah, I, I, I get the sense from all of the kind of pre-tournament chatter, and, and obviously what we saw with drive, chip, and putt, and what we've kind of been hearing from the, the player leading up to this, that this could be a pretty tricky golf course. Uh, there's no doubt about it that Augusta National in November was kind of soft, uh, not as quick as it could be in, in spring. And, I mean, that played right into someone like Dustin Johnson's hands. I mean, he played incredible golf, so don't get me wrong. Don't, not taking anything away, away from him, but that this is going to feel a lot more like a Masters where 9, 10, 11 under is going to be a, a really, really good score. And, uh, I think you're going to have to you're going to have to play position golf. You're going to have to set up angles. You're going to have to set yourself up for a second shot. You're going to have to play away from flags. All of those things that, uh, frankly, they just didn't do in November because they they couldn't make the golf course that hard. And uh, they're going to have it back, I think, for April. And I, I think they're going to reestablish this as kind of like Augusta National is not a pushover. It is not a course where. You can easily shoot four rounds in the 60s and still lose like Cam Smith. You can't just beat it up like Dustin Johnson did. We are here to show you that Augusta National has teeth, and here's what it is. Ryan Boundy's with us here on Teeing It Up. Where do you stand on DJ? We haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, what we've seen seems to be trending in the right direction. He obviously won on the European Tour earlier this year, um, but we haven't seen a lot of him in America. We haven't seen a lot of him uh, play uh, exceptionally well. Uh, he did make it to the weekend uh, at um, uh, match play um, and and showed some good form there. Do you think any of that matters? Do you think that this is just a different golfer when he gets on the first tee come Thursday? He's had a couple. I mean, he's had a couple of clunkers of well, you know, match play events. Letting Riviera get away from him, I think, bothered him. Um, but that that's okay. I mean, you don't have to come in being the hottest guy ever uh, that second to win the Masters. Um, and so I, I don't necessarily think it's a problem that he isn't white hot coming in into a title defense at a title he won less than 190 days ago. Um, I think he's probably personally driven by the fact that he does not want to be the shortest reigning Masters champion ever because if he doesn't win... He's got that title locked up. Um, I, I think Dustin Johnson is more motivated and cares more than he lets on, that most people know. But I think he cares a lot about holding on to this trophy, this, this green jacket of his. And I think he cares a whole lot about kind of furthering his legacy now that he's a multi-time major winner. So, um, 
I think there are better, maybe better picks in terms of absolute current form. But the guys had some great results here. I mean, if you look at the the trend line over the last five, six, seven years in this tournament, there are fewer. There basically no one who gains more strokes tee to green other than Brooks Kepka on this golf course than Dustin Johnson. So, if you're looking for uh, a reason to, to ding him, I guess current form, but then you got to bring it right back up when you look at his course history. Um, Ryan Boundy with us here on, on uh, Teeing It Up. Um, we, we, we have a couple of golfers that come in uh, off, off a couple interesting uh, pivot points. We have John Rahm, uh, who was in a hospital uh, for his wife giving birth uh, just basically four days ago. Uh, huge congrats to the Rahms. Um, he had said, uh, I've never seen Ryan in all the years that you and I have been covering betting, whether we've had to be sly about it or whether we've, we've you know, been able to be open about it. Um, I've never heard somebody say out in the open, don't bet on me because I may be leaving at any second, even, even if even if I'm ahead by five on Sunday, um, which John Rom did, now he can stay around for the week. Um, but you always wonder about focus and stuff. And I, I, I know people like him, and he's got the game for Augusta. But for some reason, I just don't know if he's if it's almost like this birth would have been better like one week before. I feel like this is almost too close to the Masters, maybe. Um, for him, but maybe this will free him up. I, I I don't know how to read this, but I just feel like it's a little too close for my liking. I feel like I, I'm kind of okay with it. I mean, the first few days of you being a parent are just a blur. It, it's just it happens. You don't really know what's happening. Um, very emotional, very draining. And in one sense, yeah, that might limit his preparation or the kind of the quality of it over the next couple of days. But he also knows how to play this golf course. Not like he's never played it before. He played well here last year. Uh, he's going to play well probably again this week. He's been playing great golf overall. I mean, most of his results in 2021 have been fabulous. They haven't been wins, but they've been fabulous. So he's playing good golf. The, the transition into the Callaway equipment was no issue for him. He's cool with that. Um He's got nothing to really lose. No one's expecting anything of him because he just became a dad. So he probably has somewhat diminished expectations for himself. And maybe that allows him to just kind of play it cool. And if he gets, you know, into position going on the weekend, all right, well, great. You know, that's, that's a huge bonus. And if not, he gets to go home to his wife and, and newborn son and get to enjoy some time of uh, downtime. So I, I feel like, like you said, being freed up by the outcome, not really mattering. That's uh, that's a pretty powerful thing once you kind of get it in your head. Um, and then there's Rory, and you know he still needs this for the Grand Slam, and and he admitted that what we all thought, or I, I guess a lot of us thought that he was chasing distance. That beautiful, maybe the prettiest swing in golf had gotten way out of rhythm, and he had put on muscle and was and was swinging faster to to. You know, add distance and his dispersions all over the place. And now he's added Pete Cowan into his team uh, to try to reel him back. Um, 
What is interesting to me about Rory and why I do not understand why he is such a high favorite, um, for example, Terrell Hatton is 50 to 1, Rory is 18 to 1. I, I would probably flip the two, um, to, to be perfectly honest, because I don't think Rory stands a chance considering that you got to be right on it if you want to win at Augusta National. But what's interesting to me is Rory said in one of the interviews that all I got to do is just go back to August or September and we have the video and we have all this to just show where we need to get back to. Since then, in comments that both Pete Cowan has made publicly and Rory, seems like there's a longer hill to climb than Rory maybe initially thought. And I... For that reason, I feel, like I, I, I feel like I'm on Shark Tank. Um, and for that reason, I'm out. Um, but I, I just don't see how Rory on this golf course can get his act together. I can see how it works at, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, um, you know San Antonio, whether it's, um, you know, some other golf course, it's fairly easy, you know, if you're playing out in the, uh, you know, out in the desert and you're playing dome golf and you can shoot a thousand under par and, and, and kind of just be aggressive. I can see where that might benefit him. I don't see how he can win an Augusta National as he begins a rebuilding process. Just like I know a lot of people made much about Ricky Fowler's major streak and it just shows his consistency but he was not going to win the masters he's not there yet in his progression and i feel the exact same way ryan about rory i'm not really sure where rory is i mean i know he and he Cowan have kind of discussed things a bit publicly but i don't think there's a lot to mess with with rory mcelroy the driver all the stuff they're going to mess with is rory mcelroy the, the poor scoring iron player in my opinion um and that's that is a longer term project and, and frankly if he he drives it fine uh, and I, it doesn't have to be as good as he has been historically if he drives it fine he'll finish with the top 15 I mean he's just going to put it in play a lot give himself a lot of scoring chances and if the greens are feisty and fast and you have to putt a lot defensively. I think that actually works in his, in Rory's favor because he's not a good putter. So if it's going to be more difficult to make birdies and eagles, well, guess who that helps? The guy who gets a lot of birdie and eagle look because he's not going to go in. Um, I don't think he's going to win. I, I think that would be absurd to think that. And if you do think that, you need your head examined. But I don't think him playing really well and finishing in the top 10 is beyond reach for him. It's just, he's got to separate what he's trying to immediately get back, which is his driving, and what Pete Cowan and pretty much anyone with two eyes, working eyes, is going to notice is wrong with his game, which is he stinks with an eight iron or less in his bag. And I, there's no plausible explanation but why a player who drives it that far in that straight would be that bad with the most likely next club he has in his hand. So, um, yeah, I, I still think he can finish okay because his B game is still better than a lot of people's A game. But um, I don't see the A game appearing this week. So 
to your point, I, I, I just brought this up. He's 80th in strokes gained approach. He's 155th in, in proximity. Um, and he's 134th in 50 to 75 yards, 202nd in 75 to 100, 40th in 100 to 125, 150 from 125 to 150, and 108 from 150 to 175. Those are very unrory-like, uh, unrory-like numbers. To be no better than 40th in any of those categories is staggering. I mean, he's just not a good iron player, and in part, <laughs> I think it's because he. I mean, he's such a high ball hitter. I mean, I'm a high ball hitter, and I have to work really, really hard to be a good wedge player. Um, and if you just don't put in the effort to it, it, it can get away from you pretty quickly. So I understand a little bit why it's difficult. Uh, maybe not for a guy whose job it is and is one of the best living golfers, but. I, I get where he's coming from, but uh, hopefully that's what Pete Cowan sees and goes directly to it. Look, man, the driving's fine, but the iron place is atrocious, and these are the things we need to fix with you to help you dial in your trajectory better, to help you work it both ways, to help you feel a little bit more confident that you can attack pins, because if your driving is going to remain the same for another 10 or 15 years, you're going to just cost yourself countless opportunities to win playing the way that you do by playing so horribly with your island. It is, uh, he was uh, 29th in, in uh, proximity back in 2019 when he won player of the year. He is the first in strokes gained off the tee in 2021. Yay! <laughs> That's who he is. That's uh, not figured out. Wait, 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 wait. wait. That's actually 2019 numbers. Sorry, let me get that fixed. Um, he is sixth in strokes gained off. No, a third in uh, 2021. But the point still stands that what he's doing right now is is yeah, he's 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 increased his distance and he's going to gain because of that distance. But he can't. If you're going to score this poorly, you're not going to win on the PGA Tour. It's as simple as that. Right, and that he has not found the Dustin Johnson equivalent adjustment. Mm that DJ did with wedges, buying a track man and wedges as legend goes to yep. figure out how to hit him. That Rory hasn't done that yet at this stage of his career. Now, nearly seven years removed from his last major, it's frankly staggering. And look at Justin Thomas, who has this wedge thing. When he wants to take something off, he has this what looks like a decel lazy finish. It is not either of those, but it's so the hands are so soft through impact and into the follow through and that's how apologies if f- folks you can hear that. That's 30 mile per hour winds here in uh, the swamps of Jersey. Um, but you know, JT has that little d- dead arm finish that is just beautiful in terms of taking either spin off or taking distance off. And why Rory doesn't have that is beyond me. And to your point, Ryan. I mean, everyone is a little different, but it's not like Rory's an idiot and doesn't know what he's bad at. Yeah. He knows he's bad at it. He just hasn't made the commitment to get better to it. And I'm sure Pete Cowan will kick him in the butt and say, look, you want to you want to win six majors, ten majors, or are you good on four? Because if you're good on four, I can leave and you can keep doing what you've been doing. And you'll make lots and lots and lots of money and win nothing of import 
between now and when you're done. Enjoy. Yeah. Um, all right. Final thing before we get into picks. Um, I, I love this group that I've been focusing on this year, which is Cantlay, Shoffley, Morikawa, um, and, and Hovland. That kind of group, um, along with Matt Wolf, who um, is battling uh, all sorts of issues right now, including a nagging hand finger issue and really has not found this form of late at all. Um, but I, I, I find this group, which is the group that is not the longest, is not the shortest, but is just going to lull you to sleep with fairways and greens and fairways and greens. And we have seen glimpses from Patrick Cantlay this season. And I am so tempted to pick Patrick Cantlay or Colin or Xander or Vic but something still tells me Justin Thomas, which we'll get to in a second, and Kenny go piggyback off his players' win. But out of this group, I feel like these guys are tailor-made, along with maybe somebody like a Webb Simpson. These guys are tailor-made to win a title of this ilk at this venue with it playing firm and fast like this. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... Uh, you mentioned Xander. I think Xander could be really interesting because of his history in the U.S. Open. He obviously likes firm, fast, fiery, difficult conditions. Maybe that, that plays in his hands here this week. Uh, Justin Thomas, I mean, just is the logical pick. It's, he gains a ton of strokes from Tita Green. He's the leader on the PGA Tour. Um, he won the players with a master class final round. But, I mean, he couldn't have played better golf. Uh, without shooting an absurd low number. Are you and saying he had a defining moment, Ryan? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> when he used that in the marketing. Um, but that's, that's the logical pick to me. I, I think you can make a case for all of the guys that you mentioned. I'll throw in Scotty Scheffler, too. I think he's playing great golf. Um these guys who get it out there far enough and are just in the, in the bunch. But yeah, I, I think uh, Justin Thomas is, is the logical pick given what he's done, Tita Green, given what he did at the players. Uh, I would throw in Morikawa again, Tita Green, incredible play. Uh, I think uh, more difficult putting surfaces actually work in his favor too because not the best putter and he, that, and but also feels some semblance of confidence with this claw-saw thing that he's doing. So, and he's also felt more confident uh, on Bermuda, and I realize we have an overseed here, but there's still some Bermuda to, to tangle with. So, um, you know, all those things maybe worked in Mark Howard's favor a little bit, and you can't ever really lay off of somebody like Webb Simpson, who has historically played well enough in the Masters, never won if uh, played well enough. And so, I, I think that that caliber of golfer, that group of guy you just talked about, who, you know, maybe not necessarily the longest guy in the world, but Tita Green puts it all together really nicely. I think they have a great chance this week, but I do think JT is kind of the, the class uh, pick. Um, first of all, I cannot believe that they are still airing the Players' Championship commercial every so often. <laughs> still. Oh, my gosh. I understand it's the flagship event, but can we promote something else, please? And also, can we move past the super season at this point? What? 
You gotta be ready for 2022. Start now. I, I, I probably can't even book a hotel right now for 2022 unless it's for a wedding. <laughs> oh, the PGA Tour and their marketing. Um, Ryan Ballinger with us here on Teeing It Up, previewing the Masters, which uh, begins Thursday, uh, 3 Eastern on ESPN. Um, Lee Westwood, he's kind of the sexy uh, pick, I think, um, that as like, we always have the guys, you know, from the U.S. or abroad who, who, whose names are going to pop up every year. And those are the DJs and the Brysons and the Jordans and the JTs and the Roms and the Rorys and, and all that. And then you get the guys whose games happen to be hot. One of them has been waiting a very long time, and that's Daniel Berger. From overseas, I look at Lee Westwood, and I just wonder if, you know, he's been close at times. I just wonder if he's got a lot of rounds on those tires um, in this spring swing. And I get it. It has not been the hottest run through Florida that, that they've ever had. Um, but he did look tired down the stretch at Honda uh, when he missed the cut, and he looked tired at match play at times. Um, I just, I know his game is trending. I know that if he puts it like he did earlier in the, the uh, Florida swing, he's going to be up there in contention. But I just can't see it sustaining itself for four days. Mm. Historically, Lee Westwood has been great for three, three and a half rounds in major championships. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that's, that's not been good enough. But I think he knows how to win a major. He just hasn't done it yet, if that, if that makes sense. He knows how to win big tournaments. He knows how to perform in tough spots. He's done all of those things. Um, but I feel like he got beat at the players, and I feel like he got beat at Bay Hill by just the superior player that day. It wasn't that he played poorly. I mean, what what he did stringing together all those six- and seven-foot makes at players until 17 was incredibly uh, worthy of praise. But what he did to hang around with Bryson on day one, he really had no business doing that, yeah. um, was also very worthy of praise. But he didn't win either of those. So... Would I love to see him become the oldest Masters winner and the oldest first-time major champion in history? Yeah, I think everyone would love that. But do I think he's going to do that? Uh, If I had to put a financial backing on that, I would not. But I I am not so secretly pulling for it because I think it would be a fantastic scene if he were to win. My pick is Justin Thomas in a two-way playoff, uh, sorry, three-way playoff over Xander and Patrick Cantlay. What is what is yours, sir? I think I like Justin Thomas by two. Um, I just think he's playing, again, he, he kind of got through the, the issues that he created for himself in Hawaii. Um, he got through some element of grief with his grandfather's passing um, and maybe there was some catharsis in winning the players in that regard and he's playing overall really statistically great golf all of those things line up for 
someone who should win the Masters, and not necessarily in dominant fashion, but should win the Masters. I am with you, and we shall see how it plays out. And I'll leave you with this on as we uh, as we leave here uh, and, and close this thing out. I love how Jack Nicholas, eighty-one years old, still has the fire. He tweeted uh, to Jordan Spieth yesterday when you took the three wood out in the second shot in eighteen, owning a two-shot lead. I yelled, "Put it back in the bag!" And you did. You then played eight iron and a gorgeous wedge to seal the win. I love how Jack Nicholas is still on his couch and yelling at the TV when he sees a course management mistake in the making, potentially. I mean, I was yelling at him when he started aiming left, and I'm not Jack Nicholas. So, <laughs> um, I think that's just the, the pleasure that is watching Jordan Spieth play golf. But uh, maybe Jack hadn't been able to experience that in quite the same fashion most of us have been watching the last few years. Yeah. I'm sure, he got quite a quite a thrill to watching Jordan Steve try to close out a golf tournament. Absolutely, and I'm sure he'll be reminding Jordan of that potentially bad decision tomorrow night at the, at, at the uh, <laughs> Champions Dinner um, as they love to give each other grief at that dinner. Ryan uh, from the Golf News Net, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up, and enjoy the 2021 Masters. Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schelling.